Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Welcome to Ginger Colors Radio. Yeah. It's another day. And we is have... It? Yeah, what? Is it? It's always it is. It's another day. Is it Dan? It is. We have Mike Underwood on the show uh, to talk about his amazing books. Uh, if you haven't heard of him before, he's put out uh, great books like uh, Celebromancy, Geekomancy, The Younger Gods, Shield and Crocus, Hexomancy, and the latest one, which is Attack the Geek. Correct. Oh, um, I've had a few since Attack the Geek. Holy the cow, very, you've had a whole bunch yeah, more. Yeah, the, the very latest one is called The Absconded Ambassador, which is the second in a new series called Genrenauts, which I started in November. That's right, that's right. I, I forgot that one, Genrenauts. So. Way to go, Dan. Yeah, I know. Way to go. The books are like flying out like hotcakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, in his defense, I have been busy. Yes. So, it's you a know, good problem to have, though. It is. So, and these are really cool books, so... If you wouldn't mind, kind of give us a background on the these the two plot. books. Yeah, the plots <laughs> of these two books. Yeah, so Genre Knots is a series about a group of storytellers who travel between parallel dimensions. And every other dimension, uh, they're like pages in a book. And any given world is the home of and kind of inspiration for a narrative genre. So there's a romance world and science fiction world and oh. action world. And these uh, these these genre knots go between worlds to find and fix broken stories because if they don't, the stories kind of ripple and bad stuff comes back over to our dimension. So it's a little bit leverage, it's a little bit Jasper Ford, it's a little bit sliders, um, and it's an episodic series in novellas. So each novella is an adventure, like a, a TV episode. Right on. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I've never heard of anything like that before. No, and the cool thing about this is, like like you said, you know, every genre there's a different world, and you can have fun exploring that. So I'm just waiting for the Western. Is there a Western? There actually was. The episode one is called The Shootout Solution, and they ah. go to a, uh, you know, uh, an old-timey Western town that very intentionally looks like it's straight out of uh, kind of an old soundstage and central casting. He's got you covered, Daniel. I know. He's I'm, got it all. I'm, I'm right there with you. So okay, so so we got the western. I'm sure we've got the sci-fi. We've got the fantasy, mm-hmm. horror. Is there a horror one? Horror. It's on my list to okay. do. I have yes. an idea of what to do with horror because um, I didn't grow up 
really watching or reading a lot of horror. Uh, but my wife is a huge horror fan. She sounds awesome. So she's, she is awesome. <laughs> uh, she's been kind of introducing me to a lot of the classics because uh, when I was a kid, my parents were like, you know, uh, no Nightmare Before Elm Street, no Halloween. So I didn't see a lot of those. Um, so I'm getting to approach horror with a, from a different position than a lot of other genres, um, which is really cool. And it, it means I have some kind of different things to say about it. Uh, but yeah, there's in season one, there's a rom-com episode. There's one that's like uh, buddy detectives a la Castle or Elementary. And then fantasy, like traditional epic fantasy is a two-part season finale. That's, n- oh man, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Daniel's face, oh man. I know, man. <laughs> I'm excited. I mean, this is, this is kind of cool stuff. I mean, th- really the possibilities are endless for yeah. you with, with this. So that's just amazing. I like that it spans throughout different genres, too, because it's like you, you have a lot of writers that like to stick to one or two different things. Yeah. But when you spread out and you get to discover your talent in every single kind of genre, that's pretty cool because most people actually have no idea. No, I, I totally agree. It's that it's, it speaks a ton towards the talent that you have because it is so hard. I mean, I think all writers kind of feel like they're good at a certain genre and they usually just kind of stick to it. I remember when um, I first started writing for Jared, he had me sit down and do a project and he gave me every genre and said, okay, I want you to write a five minute story about each one. I have to tell you, other than horror and drama, there is a book upstairs that still has those genres. I haven't even, like, I, I can't even begin to write. Like, I just... It's so hard for me to change that mindset when it comes to writing in different styles and different genres. And so it's actually really amazing that you're able to do that. Yeah, and it's a fun challenge for me, like you say, uh, because, you know, I grew up watching movies of of different genres, some more than others, you know, science fiction and fantasy more than everything else. Mm -hmm. But I really like romantic comedies um, as kind of um, a comforting kind kind of movie. And what I've been trying to do is with each genre or subgenre that I look at, I'm trying to figure out why do we tell this kind of story and figure out a way to both tell a story that does that thing, but also to investigate that reason. Because uh, my academic background is in like folklore and mythology. So I've done a lot of work on that side about the cultural use of stories and the personal use of stories. And I wanted to fold that in really directly. So I'm doing kind of fun, fluffy, action-adventure, ensemble storytelling, but I'm also trying to really dig into why we have these genres and what they do for us and kind of why we go to them while I'm delivering fun adventures. And that helps me give myself challenges along a couple of different axes, not only like how do I tell a compelling story without any... Like physical fight scenes, which I've never really done before in anything longer than a short story. But then in the rom-com episode, there's no like fist fights. So I have to find a different way of, of generating drama. And it's been a great way of stretching my skills. Right on, bro. Yeah, I mean, that's really cool because, you know, swapping genres or anything like that, you really have to kind of put yourself in a different mindset. Well, what's your process with that, dude? Like, let's say you're switching gears from, you know, something like a romantic comedy to something on your list, horror. What do you do to get yourself in the zone? Because that's quite a bit of difference in genre. That's 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 white and black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when I'm thinking about a new genre story that I'm going to do, one of the things that I'm thinking about is how does it fit into this overall story that I'm building? Because I've imagined the series as a five 
season arc a little bit like Babylon 5, mm-hmm. but for each each season I'm only going to be at about six episodes, though that I may expand it in later seasons because I realize I have so many different things that I want to do. But when I'm getting into that, I'm like, okay, here's the kind of meta plot stuff that I need to have happen. How can I take that and make it happen within in this genre, because I know that these are some of the conventions, like if I'm doing a detective story that's this type, I want it to feel like, you know, the TV show Castle or Elementary or Psych or something where there's kind of the the wacky person with the interesting skill. And then there's the more by the book investigator or police officer. I'm like, okay, well, that's the relationship structure. And I know that procedural crime has a certain plot structure where there's you know, you have the crime at the beginning, you bring the investigators into the crime, they pursue some leads, they bring in somebody who's not not the murderer, they talk to them, they find some other red herring, and like there's a there's a structure to it, especially with subgenres where the formula or the, the narrative structure is more explicit, like in some romance um, and a lot of crime. So that gives me a lot of framework already. And then I have to figure out how my my characters, the genre knots, fit into it, what they have to say about that type of storytelling, and then to point that story overall in a direction that lets me fill out the rest of the story. So I have I tend to go into any given thing with a lot of tools and a lot of things that are already on my kind of narrative plate. Uh, so then I just have to kind of put them in order and find the way to connect them and, and make it all come together uh, and come to life. How does that affect the character development throughout the arc of the stories? Like, I have to imagine these characters have, you know, it's very, it's not strange, but it's very, like, shocking towards a human being to go from something, you know, kind of light-humored and fun to something, you Mm -hmm. know, horrific or challenging. Yeah, the the characters mostly don't go directly from one mission to the other. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more like they're almost like firefighters where they... They go out and they do a thing and then they come back and they have downtime where they're still like doing reports and research, but they, they're not always on missions. So that helps give them a little bit of, of downtime and recovery. But then I have one character, Leah Tang, who's the kind of the newbie in the group and she gets brought in in episode one. So she's really the character who a lot of the, the audience are going to experience these different genre worlds with because you know she's she's kind of a geek in an episode two they go to a science fiction world and they go to something a, a place that's kind of babylon five or deep space nine ish like there's a space station and there's diplomacy and they're in space for the first time and then she just totally flips out because she's in space and she never thought she'd be in space because right. you you know like only so many people get to be astronauts so i try to give that enthusiasm and the the character's affinity for the different genres and to use that to help make the reader enthusiastic. So in the rom-com world, one of the other teammates is, you know, she's just a huge fan of romance and she has all these things to say about, you know, why romance is important as a genre and as a thing that we do as humans in storytelling. So with any given genre or subgenre, somebody on the team is really passionate because they're the expert and that's how they get assigned to these worlds. So I try to use that passion to both show the characters um, and it kind of exposed them, you know, why does this character really care about romance? This is what it has to say about her. And then that helps bring in the other characters. And every given character has a relationship, not only to the individual plot and trying to figure out how they're going to, you know, save the day, but also the methods that they use. You know, some of the methods are a little bit more or less 
um, kind of ethically sound. Like in some worlds, they have to like do wiretapping on people so that they can know where they're going to be so they can arrange the right social situation. So the, the kind of the episodic process and the way that they do their business gives me opportunities to kind of foreground them as characters. Okay, so there's like a different featured character in every book. You know, it, it puts one person up front, and then the other characters kind of develop along in, in the back end with him. Yeah, I've, I very much use the kind of spotlight episode model that I've seen okay, from a okay. number of, of TV shows. Um, you know, things like Lost or, or Leverage, they'll very frequently have that kind of spotlight aspect, and it's really easy to to roll into the the genre specialties. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's good so, to get to know every character on like a personal level as you keep going. Well, yeah, like and, and, yeah. You know, and it kind of sheds some light. So maybe you know the one guy that's always lurking behind, that's kind of the the tank of the group mm-hmm. in a way, and see that he has a softer side, or he loves to cook, or he he's got a thing for dinosaurs or whatever. So you can kind of learn about him. And other than he's just a guy that gets beat up all the time. Well, yeah. I mean, like I just I I can't stand going through a story and really not giving a hell about like one guy or another is just kind of like they're kind of there but they're not really there for a purpose that i see is is you know they they just they could they could even not be there kind of thing they're Mm -hmm. more supporting cast but when you have an ensemble cast where you get to know every single person on a more personal level the story becomes that much more engaging and that's what i like about spotlight spotlight episodes with tv shows and stuff like that is by Mm -hmm. the end of the show it's just like i can't live with you know without a single one of these people like in firefly yeah you know, yeah. it's just like if you lose somebody, I'm not going to say who if anyone's not seen Serenity, but it's it's very, very impactful. And it's just like it's that much more meaningful. It's been uh, over a decade. I think we can say it. We can say it. We yeah. can say that we're all leaves on the wind. Yes. Yeah. Right. Leaves on the wind. Um, I And th- that's what makes this series kind of really cool because you don't see that a lot. I mean, and the, I like the fact that you're jumping through genres. It's got that feeling of sliders, which I really like that that TV series, but it didn't bounce throughout the genres like you, you're doing. So you kind of, it seems like you're pulling a little bit of everything that we love from all these great TV series and books and pulling it all into one collection, which is just amazing. That is, is my hope, at least. Um, you know, a, a lot of other writers that I know, almost everything that they're engaging with is other fiction in prose. Like they're directing to novels and to short stories but my cultural inheritance, the kind of the, the stories that really mattered to me growing up were across all sorts of media. You know, they were comics and video games and TV shows and movies and books, a lot of books, but not only ever books. So I, I'm very conscious about bringing in influences from those other media and especially with genre knots, trying to figure out what storytelling advantages those media have and TV is a great episodic narrative medium, as is sequential art, because yeah. comics have spent, you know, more than eight decades telling episodic and serialized stories. So I'm trying to to steal from the best. There you go. Now, I just have to ask, is there any point in time where we will see them go to a video game world? <laughs> so for for this cosmology, kind of video game wouldn't be necessarily its own genre. Okay. Um, but there could definitely be a story where they go in and video games are really important in some way. There's a, there was a fantastic episode of the librarians in the second season um, that kind of has a, a resonance with that, which one is a little bit of a spoiler. So I'll just to indicate that. And I, but I was really um, 
quite delighted by that episode in the way that it engaged with what could be identified as kind of um, video game tropes, tropes of the medium or of so many games in the medium that they feel like they're tropes of the medium rather than tropes of the individual genre. Um, you know, maybe my heroes could go into like first person shooter land and that would be the way to do a video game story. And I'd have to figure out what to do with uh, the kind of the tropes and the conventions of the first person shooter. And some, some video games have already really done that, you know, it'd be stuff like, um, the the mute protagonist, where in first-person shooters, a lot of times, the protagonist just doesn't talk. Master Chief. Yep. Right, the Master Chief type of characters, and, like, what does it say that the first-person narrator, like, the first-person character doesn't really talk? And, you know, what are the other conventions in terms of, like, save points and reboots and all that kind of stuff? That Those are what I really want to be able to dig into yeah. if I'm going to pick a subgenre. That would be cool. Yeah, How long I, do you think the the series will span for? How many issues? Right now, I'm planned. I'm planning out five seasons at six episodes per season, so thirty total. Wow. Um, they're going to be some short stories along the way, and for season two and beyond, I might just write all of them and then release them as one big book. Um, format and kind of the distribution is something that I'm really consistently reevaluating. Because uh, the first two are published with Tor.com Publishing, which is part of Macmillan, one of the big five. And they've been great, and they've given me a lot of support. But there's a lot of different ways that I can get things out, uh, and I'm really playing with that. Um, and I'm having so much fun that if there's enough support from the readership, I might need to find a way to be able to tell more stories, either inside that main plot or outside of it. Right on. Right on. So people keep reading. I will find new and and more ridiculous, fun things to do with that series. That's exciting. So you, you mentioned there's a couple that came out recently. What are the uh, the next upcoming ones again? Give us a reminder. So the most recent one was the Absconded Ambassador, which is the kind of space opera sci-fi one. And there is a short story in the genre nuts world coming. Uh, looks like April called There Will Always Be a Max, which riffs on the post-apocalyptic. Uh, region of action world and really digs into a couple of the characters backstory nice. um, while delivering a cool action plot and then episode three is called the cupid reconciliation and that's the rom-com one and that is currently we're looking at early may for that but um i'm doing some kind of final calculations and discussions with some people about um how that's going to happen but my plan is to get all of season one released by the end of this year so that folks can read that whole season, you know, or binge read, uh, as all of Netflix binge watch a season of TV, uh, to consume it all that way, and then start looking at season two later in the year. All right, okay. so this is going to be a journey. This is going to be yeah. like a five, six-year journey in creating all of this content. That's the that's the plan. If you know, if it just doesn't sell at all, and there's really not a response. It'll be hard for me to justify kind of writing beyond that first season, but I want to get at least one season done because I'm having a ton of fun and I've already done a lot of the writing. And then I'd like to continue it on beyond that, but I've got a ton of other irons in the fire in terms of projects that are on submission and I want to get into writing comics and other stuff like that. So to a degree, I have to kind of go where the energy is and mm -hmm. where there's support from from readers and from publishers. Yeah. And so episode two just came out this week, correct? Mm-hmm. So, for those of you interested, you can run out. Uh, it's on your webpage. Where where can they get it? Yeah, so you can get it from all of the the normal retailers. Uh, 
Tor.com Publishing is kind of an ebook first imprint, so okay. that's where a lot of their focus goes. But there are trade paperbacks available. They're they're fun, cute little paperbacks because it's you know shorter books. They're a little bit smaller. Uh, and then the audiobook edition will be coming out probably March first, and that's narrated by the amazing Mary Robinette Cole, who is a puppeteer, audio performer, and multi award winning fiction writer in her own right. Uh, all the DCR folks should definitely check out Mary Robinette's work, uh, not only in voice acting, but her own fiction. Yeah, and she's also on writing excuses for yep. our listeners that uh, tune into that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Mary's right. fantastic. Yeah. So, And if you haven't seen her shadow puppetry, wow, it's actually kind of humorous and amazing. And uh, I do know in a lot of her novels, there's kind of a nod to the Doctor from Doctor Who in some way. Yep shape or form because she's a huge Doctor Who fan so. nice yeah <laughs> um, well, I'm excited about this uh, so if you want to find it out a quick way you can always jump on uh, Michael's webpage michaelrunderwood.com uh, right on the sidebar there they are you can buy the buy them now the shootout solution and the absconded ambassador right there there's a buy now button you can click on it and purchase it I would say do so this sounds like an amazing and fun series to to something that, pick to, up, yeah. that to continue throughout the whole year too. I think it's something interesting because you know books. The format that you see normally is that you'll you'll get one book maybe a year. Some people have like you know once every or twice every year. This seems like you're going to get something consistently throughout the entire year, every couple of months or so. So that's pretty cool. I've never had a binge reading like session on the same kind of format unless you know it's an existing franchise like Harry Potter or something like that. This is something right. you can continue to watch just like episodic throughout the year, which is pretty unique. I think that's pretty pretty awesome. Awesome. Yeah, my goal is to make it so that there's never more than about two months gap between one episode and the next. And then depending on how quickly I can write, there may be like a season break between episode six and the start of the next season. Nice. Uh, but there's stuff like Patreon now that I can investigate in terms of like regularly delivering content. And it's it's such a great time to be a writer because there's so many different ways of getting your work out and engaging with readers. Um, so it's really exciting. I like working in this shorter form. And from, for readers, uh, side, you know, you can go through the shootout solution. A lot of people could get through it in maybe, you know, two or three hours because it's a shorter book. So especially if you like, you know, the, the gigantic epic fantasies like the Kate Elliott Black Wolves or Brandon Sanderson or something, you could read one of those, then read a novella and it's a nice palate cleanser. So it's, you know, different, different forms and different formats for yeah. different readers. I like that. Well, and the nice thing is, is most books you wait, you know, depending on the writer, it could be six months, it could be a year, it could be two years before you get the next book. And here, you get the story, then a month later, you get the next story. So Mm -hmm. that's that's really exciting to me because, you know, uh, I can tell you how long I've been waiting for the third book of uh, the Stormlight Archive from Brandon. But, uh, you know, that's I like that, that it's quick and easy and you know that you don't have to wait too long before the next story comes to you. Right on. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I've been uh, tr- I've been trying to be very, uh, very vocal about letting readers know that, you know, you're going to get the whole of season one within this year if it's at all within my power um, so that folks – the expectations can be set properly because I think that's a lot of what happens when when readers don't know when the next book is going to be, and that can be really hard. Um, so I'm trying to minimize that that worry or that uncertainty. Right on. Nice. That is pretty cool. All right, so oh, we're almost out of time. These shorter shows go by so much faster. They really do. Um, so 
Again, besides uh, these two, uh, the Genronauts uh, books, we all, uh, Mike has also written Celebromancy and Geekomancy, The Young, Younger Gods, Children Crocus, Hexomancy, and Attack of the Geek. Uh, great books in their own re- regards. Uh, Geekomancy, the magic system, goes off of how, you know, what you're passionate, what you're geeking out about. Celebromancy is based off of uh, your cele- celebrity status or something like that, if yeah, it's the power of fame. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. So, and then Shield and Crocus is kind of more of like a traditional fantasy, if I remember right, correct? Yeah, it's like if you took uh, a weird fantasy city, all la China Mieville, and threw the Avengers in them. <laughs> uh, so the city is built in and among the bones of a fallen 20-mile-tall di- titan, and the heroes are trying to um, overthrow a group of five infighting supervillains that have taken over the, the city and turned it into their personal playground. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Is, so. um, uh, you know, again, thanks for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure. Uh, is there any last-minute things you want to kind of throw out there to our listeners to, for them to get excited about, or as well as you know, kind of let them know where they can find you? Sure. So um, um, I'm also on two podcasts of my own, the Skiffy and Fanty Show, which is kind of a, a big cast variety show. We talk about science fiction fantasy books, but also TV shows, uh, movies. We do a torture cinema uh, about every month where we uh, we watch a movie that has very, very low um, rankings and reviews, nice. and we talk about the good and the bad. Um, it's really fun. Many of us are drinking while we do it. Um, and then I'm also <laughs> on uh, a, a show called Speculate, uh, the podcast for writers, readers, and fans. And that one is is a really kind of cool hands-on science fiction and fantasy writing show for the most part. Um, we'll do a lot of digging into the craft and the storytelling style of an individual book. So if you have listeners who are writers themselves, you know, they listen to Writing Excuses, maybe they should check out Speculate as well. All right. Very that cool. Great. Again, thanks for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having yeah. me back. It right. is uh, it's it's one of my favorite places to come and geek out. All right, well, nice. Thanks. You heard it here, Dungeon Crawlers. Yes. All right. Well, again, thanks, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Hey, Dungeon Crawlers, are you wanting to level up your gaming experience? Then we have something just for you. We've recently teamed up with BattleBards to bring you this amazing offer. That's right. If you are interested in adding soundtracks or sound effects to your gaming experience to make it even more amazing and more intense, then this is what you need to do. Go to BattleBards.com, and we have specific DCR codes for you. You can punch in DCR1 at the end of uh, purchasing, and this is valid for the packages of the $10 or the $25 package, or DCR2, which is for the $50 package or the $100 package, or DCR3, which is anything from $150 or the $300 packages. Now, what these do is these give you custom rewards. So, DCR1 will give you one predetermined track for free, uh, and then DCR2 will give you up to five tracks, which is half of an album. And then, of course, DCR3 will give you ten predetermined tracks, uh, which is a full album of audio. Now, this is super amazing and just will allow you to get more for your gaming experience. So, please, if you're interested, run out to BattleBards.com, throw in your coupon code, get free stuff, because who doesn't love free stuff? Until next time, we'll catch you later. <laughs>